realize that you're going to get butter on the paper if you're working on your script at the popcorn counter. But that, that's why I write in pencil, because, you know, it doesn't smudge, whereas ink will just smear everywhere. Yeah, but so it's, this, is, this is one of the many reasons why I prefer pencil. It's that, and also it reminds me of being in, like, primary school but, writing in pencil. But why would you write at the popcorn counter? You do this at home. I'm Don't writing, you write at home? Like, <laughs> like you, I am writing uh, everywhere all the all the time. Um, I, if I actually, I literally went to the cafe this morning to go and do some writing. Just getting out of the house, Ooh. isn't it? Walking around, I think it gets your gets your brain going. And also, if you go out to write, yeah. then you can't start doing laundry or washing up or tidying the front room or anything like That's that. That's true. You, you, you've got to write and do nothing else. Yes. Where do you, where do you do your writing? Oh boy, where do I do my writing? Um. Well, I think, well, you alluded to like the idea of getting out. I mean, I don't remember anything anymore. So I usually have some kind of notepad where I write stuff down, ideas and such. Um, my actual writing probably mostly happens. I try to stand up as much as I can. So I've got oh. this standing up set because that, that does mean that I'm moving a little bit. When I sit, I don't like that because I just feel like I'm hurting my shoulders and hurting my back and... So it's better for me to stand up. But um, I guess I write mostly at home. I've never been the person who goes to the coffee shop and writes there. Um, in part because I think I would just be drinking coffee and going into the bathroom the whole time and, <laughs> and getting distracted watching people. But also I just uh, I, I kind of need to be alone. I need more uh, alone time to write. So um, it's probably not so much place and more some solitude, I guess. Yeah. Solitude. So I, I thought I, I thought I'd bring it up because yeah. um, I was having a conversation with a friend at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was last week. You know, who, you know, and, you know, people are often kind of intrigued. It's oh, what you're writing. How, uh, but, but the thing that people often ask, I don't know whether you get the same thing. Mm-hmm. People say, people ask two questions, don't they? They say, you know, where do you get your ideas from? Mm. And, you know, and you always have to explain. I have like a standard answer to that, which is. Um, you know, everybody's got loads of ideas. Yeah. Look out the window. There are ideas right there. You know, open a newspaper. You'll see yeah. you know, a dozen ideas. Ideas are everywhere. Yep. And I, I say, you know, if you go out into the street and you just throw a stone randomly out until and, and you hit a person yep. and ask that person, hey, have you got an idea for a movie? 50% of the time they will have. Yeah. Everybody's got an idea for a movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, having that idea is not the challenge. Um, it's getting that idea and then turning it into a 120 page script. That is exactly, you know, that is the part that um, I think, you know, most people have no idea how to start. And certainly when I first became interested in writing for the screen, you know, I didn't really understand how to, you know, I had like a, as I'm sure you do, a notebook full of little ideas, yep. but turning one of those ideas into a 120 page document seemed like an you know, insurmountable cliff face. Yeah. Um, how, how, well, what what is the because I I think I know the answer to this. This is a rhetorical question okay. because I, I you know and I think your answer is you know the answer then that I stole largely stole from you and uses my own method. But what is your method of turning that one great idea <laughs> that you got by stealing from somebody that you'd thrown a stone at um, and turn it into a um, like a hundred twenty page script? How does, how does the process work for you? I, I think if it's a rhetorical question, I don't have to answer it. Right? That's the <laughs> That's the point of the rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That mean, that that just means then that I then go on to answer it for you, which is completely not what yeah. I intended. <laughs> <laughs> I usually write down every idea, however shite it might be, and then they're all like 
friends of different um, nagging ability, I guess. Like some of them, I definitely they just the ideas just um, sit on that file or in that notebook forever. Uh, but the ones who are really nagging me a lot and saying, you know, come back to me, think about me some more. Those are the ones that sort of distill bit by bit um, into like I, I write a treatment paragraph at the very least, ah. and then those little scraps of paper I was talking to you about. I'm really a firm believer in. If not act structure, at least just writing down the whole the the, the classic uh, napkin kind of pitch of just a three ideas: the beginning, the middle, and the end. So I definitely do all that. Um, and then if the for me because I like I'm writing more and more theater. I'm always deciding. I let I'll let an idea sit for a little while, and then I say, "Is this a picture thing? Is this a film? Is this theater? Is this something that I can satisfy myself with a haiku, even, or just a short poem, or something like that, just to get rid of it and be done with it?" So I really have to decide what medium I'm writing for. And recently, I I got a musical, um, an idea for a musical. So now I'm concerned mm. with like a musical, and need to learn how to to write that. But ultimately, they all have some sort of beginning, middle, end structure. So I think I start with that, and then start building it up, and I just see which one occupies my mind well and my time well and gets onto a page. So normally it's ultimately going to be a project if I've gotten uh, a longer treatment of three to five pages, five to ten pages, however long it is. Um, and that way I realize, okay, it's got there's more depth to it. If it's just a great idea, I've got lots of little things that I think are great ideas, but I'd never go back to them because, you know, they might be an element of a story but or a character in a story, but they're not the whole story. So it's really defining defining the medium that that story or that idea is best um, going to um, develop in. I think that's the that's the trickiest part. And I see a lot of people who make films that should be plays or plays that should be films. Um, so the first step for me is really deciding how is this idea best portrayed. Yeah. I uh, I wrote an uh, it's an interesting point. I wrote an audio drama. I said about two years ago now. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, it mainly sprung from the necessity to to write something that could actually you know fairly easily be recorded and made yeah um so i had you know, a few ideas kicking around and i was thinking oh it'd be fun to do an audio drama and you know and i know enough actors that i could you know gather a few people together and stand around a microphone and yeah um and so uh i ended up writing it was yeah like a sort of 60 minute audio drama had a couple of friends came around to, um you know give them a few quid and a nice lunch and we you know spent a sunday just kind of recording this hour of drama but um the only way i could write it out in a way that made sense to me was as a film script that's kind of the the yeah. only way that my brain works mm. so i ended up writing you know all the dialogue as a film script and then ended up writing all the sound effects as stage directions yeah. um and uh had to you know, put it down in that format, but it still works fine, actually. Yeah. Um, I I tend to develop ideas with a spider diagram, so I yeah. like you, yeah, have loads of different little ideas and little snippets and things like that in a notebook. And um, at the moment, I keep most of them on a file on my phone. And during an idle moment, I would just sort of skim through them and think, well, what's what's going on? What did I write down? What was that? And it's the ones here yeah, that keep coming back to you. Yeah. I will develop them with a spider diagram. So yeah. just get a big sheet of A4 paper or A3 and just kind of write down you know as, as many associated ideas as i can and ask questions yeah. and see whether i can just fill in enough space on that a3 or a4 sheet that it's starting to look like there's a little bit of substance there and from there i go to this is the idea that you taught me a beat sheet yeah the beat sheets yeah. Absolutely. um so i um and you know this i think is you know the the the, the crux of writing for the screen at least um 
which is uh, try to fit it onto 40 post-it notes. Yeah. And it has to be exactly 40. Mm-hmm. If, if I end up um, you know, writing 38 post-it notes, there's not enough story. And if I write 45 post-it notes, there's too much and things need to be dropped. Yeah. I try and get the discipline of writing exactly 40. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, I used to write film reviews for a website called Film Exposed. It doesn't exist anymore. And they used to say, well, we want you know, reviews of about 500 words. And I used to pride myself on writing exactly 500 <laughs> words you know, not 501 and not 499. Um, and I think it really tightens up your writing when you yeah. pay very close attention to these absolute details because then you, you end up wavering over every single adjective. Yeah. And you kind of think, oh, I don't need that. Oh, okay, I don't need that. And get it down to exactly 500. And it's the same with writing a story for the screen, I yeah. think. I try and get it down to exactly 40 um, post-it notes. Yeah. And so, you know, if there's not enough, then either I need another character or I need to have... Um, yeah, a little bit more action, a scene. So maybe it ends up spreading over two post-it notes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not uncommonly, I'll go from the spider diagram to about eight post-it notes. And I'll have an idea for the first two or three scenes and sure. then something in the middle or something over here, something towards the end, you know, something which is a bit of a reverse law of surprise. And I'll put them on the board roughly where I think they could happen. Yeah. And then you're kind of filling in the gaps, basically, kind of thinking, OK, I need some story here, you know, at the end of the first act. And I need some story, you know, to cover most of this end of the second act. And then I need a lead in for the third act and all the other bits are already covered. And you just slowly fill in the, the, the gaps and the spaces. Yeah. Yep. And you, you build up to that. That's definitely it's, it's, it makes it a process. I love the board. And I, there are some steps that I often take before I get to the board, which would be um, sometimes I do the fairy tale thing. Once upon a time, there was a, so you know, you're establishing ah. what's your story world. And there was a, who's the character who knew this person. And then this happened. And you, you're ultimately building up to uh, live temporarily ever after that sort of thing or whatever your conclusion is going to be. Um, so that's a nice way to, to get a story that you can actually tell people pretty quickly if you memorize that you can sort of pitch it to people and get a little bit of feedback just to see if it's even remotely interesting um and then uh i think we're both fans of blake snyder's stuff so the board really comes from blake snyder um but he is uh he has sort of longer form and depending on different genres he has longer form sort of the, the the key beats that are usually maybe 10 or 15 kind of things that certainly happen at certain pages in in the classically successful scripts i guess um so i'm a big fan of blake snyder i think uh he's really just his books have really just changed my approach and simplified it too i mean it really makes it kind of nice um but yeah, even yeah, I'm, there's a right next to me. I could show it to you on video right now. I've got a board right now for one of my scripts right here. So it's just a mm. Manila folder with forty different sticky notes <laughs> forced oh, in there. And yeah, you're right. You if you're missing stuff, you know it's not complete. If you've got too much, that's a pretty good indication that you've simply got too much. So I think um, it's really trying getting an idea that's not too grand, something that you can really expand or shrink if you need to. But it has to it has to hit this certain weight. Otherwise, if if, if it's not heavy enough, it's not going to support a, f- a feature film. I never do a board for a play, ironically, because I think it's just more so much more about dia- dialogue. But you probably could do a board for a play as well. And just to kind of detail the board a little bit, you've got four rows with ten of the stickies each. And so it's sort of like a, Act One is one row going across, uh, and then Act Two A with a midpoint um, is their second row, act 2B for the third row, and then the fourth row is the third act. That's sort of the the traditional board. So it just allows you to sort of really think in... I think the the big problem with screenwriting is if you think of in the full 90 minutes or the full 120 minutes, that's that's way too hard to comprehend. You've got to break it down into smaller pieces, so why not break it into 
of four different act sequences makes it a little easier to imagine how the the, the story is going to go. And and the writing is usually the that's the bulk of it, isn't it? I mean, you can I spend a lot of time developing an outline or developing a treatment or putting the whole thing in prose first, and then coming back and introducing it into the the screenplay templates. Um, but the there just comes a point where you're just going to sit down at the typewriter or at the computer and write, 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 or you're writing right here at the popcorn counter with pencil and paper, well, buttery kind of paper. Um, <laughs> so you just have to sit down and write it. But I, I do, I think it's really important to get away from it once in a while. And I think, you know, just, again, just get out of your comfort zone a little bit, go for a walk or go do something totally different. Cause if you're just sitting there writing all the time, it's just going to get redundant, I think, and, and boring. I mean, we we talked about this when we were talking about 1970s Hollywood, about how there's this famous story that Paul Schrader wrote the script mm. for Taxi Driver yeah. at the weekend. And I think if you've done your beat sheet, if you've done yeah. all your kind of homework, yeah, yeah. actually, it's perfectly plausible that you might sit down yeah. and type out a 120 page yeah. script over a weekend because you've done all the homework. Yeah, you're exactly. ready. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's it surprises me how often people talk about um, you know, the challenge of writing good dialogue, whereas I personally, I feel... You know, I spend a lot of time talking to myself, um, you know, as, as Rachel often notes when I come out of the shower. She says, who are you talking to? I yeah. said, I'm talking to myself, darling, of course, like <laughs> I always do. I spend a lot of time talking to myself and I find you know, writing the dialogue, um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, uh, uh, pretend to be the world's greatest dialogue writer, but I find dialogue very easy to write because I'm basically just talking to myself mm. um, as we go through the story. And I find, you know, that just pours straight out of me. Yeah. Writing dialogue is, you know, ten percent of the screenwriter's work, yeah. and by far the biggest chunk of of sweat uh, comes from trying to get that beat sheet yeah. and uh, yeah, distilling down the story and figuring out what limits yeah. do I need, what can I throw away, what has to happen, yeah. what what can afford to happen off screen, what do I need to see, what do I need to show, what do I need to tell people. Yeah, you know, you know, that's the hard bit. Once those forty little post-it notes have got something in place, yeah. um, then the rest of it, you know, comes pretty quickly. I, I agree, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I think it's, um, that's the bulk of the work, really. But I think it's really important not to, I would not start writing a project until I've got a board or until I've got a treatment that's pretty developed because you're wasting your time because you will spend a lot of time at the at the computer without knowing where you're going. I think it's pretty important to have. It, it's not the final say, it's not the final draft, but to even write that first draft, I really want to know, each of those cards, each of those 40 cards, I want to know them well, and I want to know that they're going to work at least to get me through the first draft. And then you go back and refine it. But I wouldn't start writing a project until I'm pretty ready, which which uh, when, when um, oh, God, who was it, Tony Grizzoni? Grizzoni? Tony Grizzoni yeah. came in and talked to us, and he said that he just sort of starts writing, and then was it Tony Grizzoni or was it Hanif Karishi? One of those guys came, I think it was Tony, came in and just said he starts writing at page one and then stops when he's going to stop or something like that. Well, you know, that's a luxury. I guess you could do that. But um, I can't. I couldn't do that. It's just, uh, it would be too wandering. I think I need, personally, I need the structure. I need the organization before I'm even going to start actually typing up the script. I have a friend who is a novelist um, and he does exactly that. He sits down and writes page one yeah, I think so. and just kind yeah. of keeps going and, and yeah. you know, investigates the story as he goes and just tries to figure out, you know, eat the next page and then the next page and then the next page. And I agree. I just cannot function yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I've, written scripts before with directors who who have said um you know send me the pages yeah you know, how much did you write today send me the pages you know send me another five pages on wednesday you know and i just cannot work like that because yeah. i know as i'm going through you know if i'm writing one page at a time then um you know i don't know where i'm going or you know how it's going to work and i'll inevitably come back and then have to correct them and change them and rewrite them um 
Whereas uh, once you get your beat sheet worked out, you, know, you can write all of the pages in pretty much one big go. Yeah. And then you may end up coming back to it and then deciding, actually, you know, this is too wordy. We can lose that. We can lose this. Uh, and uh, not seldom I come up with ideas for gags and callbacks and interesting ideas where I think, OK, I need to seed that 30 pages earlier. Yeah, good point. And I've only figured that gag out as I am writing it because the dialogue is the last thing that comes yeah. up. Yeah. So you need to then sort of go back and add in preparation to pay off the gag 30 pages later. Yeah. I do that quite a lot. It's going through the like the little fine detail. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the fine detail is easy and fun to work with and it's you know the very big beats are the challenging part i think we've both do you ever you, yeah, go ahead do you, do you ever write dialogue by listening to people do you listen to people on the on the bus or, or on in the street in the cafe i i do I, I it's not often that i steal anything verbatim but the way that a person talks or maybe some of the language they use or listen for accents to see how things sound Certainly, but oh, I think, yeah. like you, I've stumbled on this idea of I'm going to write the dialogue is going to be the last thing I do. So I usually have all my pictures, all my images set up. And it also, it, it, it sort of pigeonholes you a little bit because when you've set something up, there's not a lot of, there's not like this infinite variety of, of words that you can put into people's mouths at that point, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's fairly specific what you need to, to put into a conversation unless everything's uh, really told through um, for the images. I mean... So essentially what I'm working with is kind of what I see as a silent film in the treatment or on the board, and then I get all that in there, and then I go back and write the dialogue after that. I mean, I've got an idea. There's some certain lines that I, absolutely they are so massively wonderful that I have to put them in there, and I know that that's going to happen. But generally it's the last thing I write. I remember reading a, um interview with uh, Christopher Nolan's brother. What's he called? Um... Maybe his last... Jonathan God, Nolan, isn't it? I was going to guess Nolan um, for sure. So. Nolan. <laughs> um, I think he was kind of writing about writing the script, or he's talking in this interview about writing the script for, I don't know whether it was, the, I think, The Dark Knight, or maybe it was Batman Begins. And he was saying that he and his brother spent you know, a long time figuring out you know, what the story was and how the beats would work. And then, you know, um, and then Jonathan, you know, took all that kind of that sort of beat sheet away and then spent three months writing the script. And I remember listening to the interview thinking, how did you stretch that out to three months? If you already knew what every scene was (laughs) and what was going to happen in every scene, how slowly were you writing? This is like, that's a week's work, not three months. You're, um, you know, you're pulling a fast one there, buddy. But that, that bit with the dialogue, it's, you know, it's quick and straightforward. There's one other question, which my friend asked me last week when we were talking about it, he was saying, do do I prefer to write projects that are my own ideas mm. or do I prefer to write projects that are commissioned from somebody else? Mm. Um, and I told him, and I think I agree having thought about it for a while, I think I would generally prefer to work on somebody else's idea for the simple fact that when I'm writing a spec script and you know, I get an idea and I think this is dynamite, this is great fun. Look at this. This is brilliant. I have no idea whether anyone else in the world will think it's interesting. Yeah. You know, in the same way that when you're a comedian, you, I, you know, I would come up with gags that I thought was funny, um, but I would have no idea whether an audience would laugh until you, you know, until you go to the club and you tell yeah. the gag. You know, and there are some things that I think is funny, which are not funny to anyone else in yeah. the world. And it's the same with scripts. You know, there's some things that I like, no one else likes them. At least when you're starting with somebody else's idea, if someone commissions you to write a script, you know that at least 
two people are interested in it. <laughs> there's, the, there's the person who suggested it, and then there's yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So I've already doubled the potential audience. Um, so that's so. Yeah. So I, I, given the chance, I often would prefer to work on somebody else's idea because at least you know it feels like it's you know it's it's going somewhere. Yeah. But do you find the same thing? Um, I've I've had so little experience with other people's material. I guess. Um, uh, I, I think it's great when someone, especially someone who's a little bit connected, comes to you with an idea because then you think, okay, there's at least some momentum behind this as opposed to me just generating something on my own and then working on it in isolation for a long period of time. Um, when Zesis brought the Maryland thing to me, I thought, this is great. It's something I would never have come up with myself. I never would have written this, ah. but it's kind of in my wheelhouse. And then I started doing more and re- more, more research on it, and I had a lot of research that he had done too, and I loved writing that script. Um, so I think there's a certain liberation where you're not hampered by your own ideas and you're not working in isolation that, that helps um, uh, in, the pr- in the process of a commission thing. I've written some short scripts for another person, um, which um, were, again, very interesting, but then I kind of wanted to make them my own. I, I eventually felt like, oh, I want this to be more like a my my signature on this thing. And maybe that's... <laughs> Don't want to give it back. It's yeah, my baby Yeah, exactly. Now. So that's not serving the, the client so well. But um, I guess I've had mixed experiences in that way. I think for me, I mostly like to just write on my, the, my own projects because I just I want to do original stuff. And um, not that my stuff is wildly original or anything like that, but um, it's just something that I know that I'm not going to see otherwise i'm not and no one else is going to come up with it i don't think or something exactly like it uh, obviously there's not that much variety in all scripts but um, i like to think that i can do something original but uh, boy i would love to have more people come to me with projects it it, <laughs> it can be a very good experience and yeah again if it makes it, if it is supposed to be a collaborative process and you know so much of the actual writing is not it's um someone has to sit down and tap keys that's what it ultimately comes down to and App. Yeah, it's tapping keys, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's, I was going to say it's applying your bottom to the yeah. seat, but but actually you don't do that. You That's apply your feet exactly. to the floor, don't you? but it's tapping the keys is the important bit. That's the, the common denominator is tapping them keys. So uh, them and that's keys. going to be alone. But I, yeah, I, I do like the idea of uh, if someone else is really also invested, that's going to make my interest in it that much stronger, I think. So, so it's Save the Cat. It's the book you would tell everyone to read. I yeah. would. I mean, it's, I've, I've had this conversation with a few people. Yeah. I'd, I'd tell them, read, read Save the yeah, Cat. It's readable. Yeah, don't it's, necessarily adhere to it slavishly, yeah. but it's, um, you know, it's a great it's place a great to kick place off. It's a great place to kick off, and it really gives you actionable steps. That's the other thing. is, And it's a little bit uh, diversified for dramas, too. It's like it's customized for the various, I just, uh, various genres of film. So he's got a slightly different template for... Uh, a horror film than he would for uh, you know a character study or a drama or an action film. So it, it's it's good. It's good reading. Save the Cat. And I think there's a Save the Cat 2 or Save the Cat Again or Save the Cat Goes to Hollywood. or he, He's got a number of yeah. Save the Cat books. So if you look up Blake Snyder and Save the Cat, probably the best resources, yeah. I'm glad we've talked about writing sophisticated scripts because now we're about to go and see Indiana Jones and I, the Dial of Destiny. Which, is... <laughs> which I think, come on, what? That script is like 30 years in the writing, no? <laughs> So it must be good. It's bound to be. It's impossible for it to be bad, I think. Yes. <laughs> right, I've, I've, I've eaten enough popcorn, which you guys said. Fold up your paper carefully and use a napkin. There's a little bit of butter right there. It's sticky now. It's sticky. I regret this. <laughs>